It's that time. What time is it? Well, you know what time it is. Come on. It's Wednesday at 7 o'clock. It's time for the Council Roundup. Springfield's Morning News. I'm Greg Bishop on 92.7 WMAY, Springfield's News and Talk. And the Council Roundup is brought to you each and every Wednesday by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Their downtown location open for lunch. And they're also open for lunch on Saturdays. Don't forget about delivery. Head West Subs. All right, let's get on into it. Last night's Springfield City Council meeting thought it was going to be a long one, but it ended up being actually about an hour and a half. Not too bad. Uh, let's go ahead and get on in into it as uh, you've got the city council chambers ready to tackle business, uh, including zoning. When I heard zoning was on the docket, I thought, oh, boy, it's going to be a long one. Uh, but they talked about a couple of those uh, light-up signs. You know these signs, these signs that uh, flash, you know, hey, we're open these hours, or there's an American flag kind of waving and whatnot. Uh, Alderman Ralph Hanauer, after one proposal was brought forward and approved and another one was coming up, uh, he went ahead and chimed in that it's probably time to just reevaluate the issue of these uh, signs altogether. We ought to look into uh, changing some of our zoning rules for, for these lighted signs so that they don't have to come through. We've had a lot of, you know, I don't, I can't think of one that's been stopped and I haven't had any complaints about any. Um, so I, I just think <clears throat> we kind of need to look and see what other uh, cities are doing so that we can uh, maybe get up to, you know, the current century and, and maybe it'll save a lot of people some work, so. I'd like to see that happen here in the future. So, yeah, maybe uh, instead of having the zoning have to push these through all the time, maybe have some changes to where they don't have to do as much work. Uh, that'll be interesting to see if that uh, ultimately plays out that way. Alderman McMiniman uh, opposed to these types of signs. Uh, this is close to another high traffic uh, accident area at the corner of Chatham Road and Wabash. And so uh, I'm going to stick with my historical uh, voting pattern and, and not be a yes vote on this. Um, but to save time, this council tends to go along with these requests for these kinds of illuminated digital signs that can change eight to ten seconds. So I'm not going to waste the council's time if somebody wants to um, make a motion on this or hold it for the next alderman that sits in this chair. And somebody ultimately did make that motion, and they went ahead and approved that one as well. So zoning, uh, you know, went a little bit quicker than I thought it would, which let us get right into city business. And what uh, better city business to start with than how much money is in the city's coffers? How much of your tax dollars are in the city's coffers? Let's go ahead and hear from uh, the mayor uh, introducing his his rival in the election that's just in a couple of weeks here, uh, Treasurer Misty Busher. And the chair recognizes Treasurer Busher for the presentation of the financial report. Thank you, Mayor Langfelder. The corporate fund had a beginning balance in the month of February of $64,164,513. We took in total receipts of $17,701,131. We had total disbursements in the month of February of $11,433,370, which left the corporate fund with an ending balance of $70,432,274. Of that ending balance, the ARPA fund balance remaining, Mayor Langfelder, is $22,151,813. This concludes my report, Marilyn Felder. 
$70 million. Uh, that's a substantial amount of money. Uh, and we heard a couple of weeks ago when the uh, Treasurer's Report was offered, Alderman McMiniman kind of reflect back on just where we've come from. Uh, and trust me, I, I've watched the City Council now for 12, 13, 14 years or so. And I remember when they had negative uh, cash balances. So uh, going from that to $70 million is, is rather incredible. But McMiniman, he, he went a little bit deeper in his kind of review of what happened. Here he is uh, laying out some of his thoughts. April of 2010, we had a negative, 20, a negative $10 million uh, cash balance. So how did we pay our bills back then? Well, we had lines of credit um, with our local banks to uh, make payroll and that kind of thing. So it just shows where we've come from and where we are now and how bad it used to be. So we're in a good position now. Uh, you know, when, when Mayor Houston came in, he had this mess on his hands. He basically said the city was, in, a, in, a, in effect, insolvent. Uh, and our um, utility was in the same kind of bad shape. McMiniman talked about the severe mess he says we were in. And why. one of the reasons was that we had, um, back then, our then Mayor Davlin had entered into five-year um, contracts with our police and fire, paying 4% a year for five years. So that's, um, on a, a compounded basis, that was $22 million, uh, 22% raise over the course of those five years. So what happened was, when we went into a recession, mm. the sales tax drop, yeah. but uh, the payroll increases continued at the rate of 4% a year. So again, uh, Alderman McMiniman just giving a bit of history. Uh, and I remember watching all of that where a lot of discussion about uh, compounded colas and for police and fire getting, you know, these these uh, in retirement uh, annual compounded increases that were really based off of, you know, after 9-11, uh, there were a lot of pension sweeteners that were put into place to help out first responders. And I don't think people back then realized that all those pension sweeteners could really get expensive after several years and could even be more expensive if the bottom drops out of the economy as we had in 2007 and 2008 into 2009. So that's where McMiniman's kind of talking about how the compounded five-year uh, you know, raises and 22% and just how that feeds into the overall pension burden. Uh, but then he said that was compounded even further by some actions that were happening uh, back you know, 15 years ago or so, and that was pension spiking. So that if they retired on... The, during the period of time when that spike was taking place, their pension would be increased by 5%. Why does that happen? Because under the state statutes, your final rate of pay for police and fire is what controls your pension calculation. It's not like in the military where you got to be, in, uh, you know, they average out the last five years of your pay and come up with an average amount, or school teachers or others. With, with police and fire, it's just your last, you, you get a promotion on your last day of pay, that's what the they used to calculate your pension. So uh, McMiniman, again, going into a bit of minutiae uh, and reacting to where we came from uh, with the uh, you know negative cash funds to 70-plus million dollars in the city's coffers. Uh, but he's talking about the history of the, the pension funds driving a lot of spending because there's no question pension debt is driving tax spending. Uh, it's taking up uh, all of, if not more, the city's share of property taxes uh, for the police and fire pensions. But ultimately, uh, McMiniman making his final point here, and then he works in some politics. Last time I counted, we've got uh, over, we have over, I think it's 50 
retired police and fire now that are making over $100,000 a year in, with their pension. And interestingly enough, the very first of the police and fire individuals that retired uh, from city government to get over the $100,000 mark was Mr. Uh, former Police Chief Caldwell. And he was working for, some of you that have been reading the SJR forever remember this, uh, he got an 8% spike right before he left office from a mayor that at the time was waving the flag, you know, we got to turn around these pension abuses. So uh, basically, I'm saying, you know, be careful uh, when elected officials get too close to police and fire. Be, be careful. And so, um, that's right, because these are last words. And uh, uh, thank you for uh, paying attention. Thanks a lot. Paid for by, uh, I think it was Alderman Redpath who said that. So, again, uh, we've got an election for city council and the mayor uh, in just, uh, what, less than two weeks now, uh, where Treasurer Misty Busher has the support of the police and fire union and McMiniman, who supports the incumbent Mayor Langfelder, um, seeming to issue a warning of sorts to, to be cautious of uh, you know certain candidates that might be close with uh, the police and fire pension union or the police and fire unions, uh, using the the history of uh, recent pension uh, issues as a, as why to be careful. So interesting to hear that. Uh, so he took a lot of time to get to that point, um, but he saved us some time. Next, we'll hear how. Stay tuned. It is Springfield's morning news on W. Back with the Council Roundup, brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to Head West. Their downtown location open for lunch. And don't forget about delivery, Head West Subs. So last night, uh, Alderman Joe McMiniman, who is termed out, he is not going to be back after uh, the elections and the new city council is seated sometime in May. Uh, but uh, he's definitely uh, leaving some uh, food for thought, talked a lot about pensions, uh, spent a good chunk of, uh, about the history of police and fire pensions, and then even working in the uh, election coming up. Uh, but he saved us some time last night by going ahead and saying, you know what, there's a pretty big controversial ordinance dealing with uh, debt forgiveness, and there's also a pretty big controversial ordinance dealing with a lot of TIF dollars, 18-plus million dollars, that could go to the Wyndham City Center for a new project they're hoping to get back in front of the city council. There's expected to be tons of debate on that, but we didn't get that last night. Because we're holding another ordinance that has to do with Wyndham, and, and there may be some discussion back and forth regarding the debt uh, that Wyndham um, uh, was able to um, receive, that we ought to hold this ordinance that Alderman Gregory and I and uh, Mr. Mayor, you um, brought to the council for consideration. So that uh, that measure being held in committee alongside the debt forgiveness measure that's also going to be held in committee. So they went ahead and uh, uh, held those, which uh, saves us a bit of time. Uh, but you had other things come up last night, including questions uh, about a contract and uh, just how much this contract uh, is going to public works for a contractor uh, to you know have uh, have uh, money to do this contract? Well, uh, Alderman Redpath had some questions about the contract. I got a letter from a guy who made a bid on the concrete contract. His name is it's from Hard Surfacing Inc. Uh, he said he was disqualified from the bid process because he did not own a commercial building. Is that part of the requirements to be able to bid? 
And this deals with the local preference, and uh, that local preference uh, does have some particulars. Uh, what's considered local preference? Uh, an official plus the Corporation Council, Jim Zirkel, kind of makes some uh, clear policy statements about what the, the city's uh, ordinance says about that local preference. That is not a uh, commercial address. That's a residential address. And under the purchasing code, uh, to qualify as a local preference, you're required to, uh, a vendor is required to own or lease all or portion of a commercial building for a period of not less than 12 consecutive months prior to the submission of a bid. So, so, so I called Mr. Clem and spoke with him, and in, in clearly the, the property where he operates, the, this, this company is out of his home, and it's a definitely a, a residential property. And, and I asked him about, well, where does he keep his equipment? And he told me well, he has a commercial facility in Decatur. And that, and that he had been trying to sell that and hadn't had any luck in doing that. Um, so Alderman Redpath uh, had, uh, you know, the, his answer pretty much there about uh, the local preference. You can't say that you've got uh, a, a field over in Decatur where the commercial address is, but you also have a commercial address at your home address, which isn't a commercial building at your home. Uh, it doesn't work that way. So that uh, that bidder did not get that contract. Uh, all right, coming up next, we will uh, finish things up with uh, talk about trash, talk about energy, uh, and talk about parking. And that's uh, all the things you need to know about Springfield City Business, where we uh, take care of Springfield City Business each and every Wednesday with the Council Roundup here on WMAY. Brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head... Dan, we're back. It's Council Roundup, brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Their downtown location open for lunch, and they are open for lunch on Saturdays. Don't forget about delivery. Head West Subs. Last night's Springfield City Council meeting, a lot of time shaved off as they held the ordinances dealing with debt and also the ordinance dealing with $18 million in TIF money for the Wyndham City Center. Uh, but they did have time for some trash talk. And uh, we'll start off here with the ordinance uh, being um, announced by the mayor talking about uh, the trash. For the purchase of trash and recycling receptacles for downtown's beautification in an amount not to exceed $150,552. So uh, if you remember several weeks ago, we had a lot of uh, debate, uh, a lot of trash talk happening. Uh, one alderman uh, had some problems with how much each individual trash can was going to cost. Uh, alderman Rath Hanauer now looking back on that. And uh, hey, looks like we saved some money. First of all, I want to thank everybody for allowing me to, to vent the last time when we were talking about $2,500 garbage cans. Uh, it seems like we've got them down a little bit. Um, I was just going to ask what the total cost per can was. I, I'm not going to let you know off the twenty four ninety nine. Oh, oh yeah, one thousand one hundred and seven dollars. Good job, Nate. We saved half. <laughs> job, Nate. saved half. Are they the same size? Uh, they're approximately the same size, and um, it's a similar company that's been utilized uh, and is recommended as an alternative, um, similar to the, the cans that we have at this time. I think that uh, the citizens will enjoy those cans just as much as they would have the 2400 <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, still some, it, it wasn't 2400 it was 1700 or was it uh, $2,499 uh, per can? Uh, so, yeah, it looks like they are going to move forward with this, but not without Alderman Williams raising some questions 
about priorities, and he lays out why he's not going to support this particular ordinance to spend, uh, you know, hundred thousand plus dollars on trash cans in downtown Springfield. Uh, this council uh, voted against broadband, which is very important for my ward and my community. But we want to buy trash cans. This council voted against a summer youth program to employ these summer youth to, to cut these lots, to maintain these yards and lots and do things like this, but we want to buy garbage cans. I'm for the beautification of downtown. Actually, I don't think downtown is that in that bad of a shape. It's not like we don't have any garbage cans. And I just think if we can't afford to give poor kids broadband services and work on giving residents who don't have broadband services and we can't afford to to give our kids opportunities during the summer because we see help wanted signs for adults and for older workers who won't be cutting the grass and maintaining these lives then we shouldn't be doing stuff like this with the money because we have garbage cans so I'll be voting a no on this. Thank you. So that's uh, Alderman Roy Williams. He uh, expressed his concerns there about priorities. And you had uh, Alderman uh, Sean Gregory also uh, share his, some some thoughts about what exactly, you know, he, he agrees with Alderman Williams. He supports the idea of beautifying downtown and the importance of downtown, but uh, he agrees with Alderman Williams. You know, the, the, these are um, pressing issues in our community and um you know, we have to stand firm in these choices, so I, I have to vote no against this. And Alderman McMiniman, he's chiming in on uh, the the importance of having uh, the beautification in downtown Springfield and trying to address some of the concerns raised by Alderman Gregory and Alderman Williams. Uh, I've seen the existing uh, cans and heavy winds. They're lying flat on the ground, garbage coming out of them. And so I think one of the goals with this upgrade of our trash cans is to add some weight to those cans so that they can't blow in the heavy winds. He also uh, goes on to talk about the importance of downtown and beautification. We're the state capital, and we want to have a really uh, a beautiful downtown for those that come from miles away to see international and national and in-state visitors that come to see our, our capital. So I understand those points of views, but I think we got enough money to do to do uh, the broadband and, and the beautification downtown. But Alderman Williams, he uh, went on to uh, express uh, his, his continued opposition to the idea of spending this much on trash cans. Uh, and that uh, opposition was heard uh, pretty loud and clear um, as they voted no uh, for those trash cans. But it did ultimately pass. So uh, moving on, let's see if we can get this queued up, uh, make sure that we've got this, that and the other. Uh, here is the mayor uh, talking about an ordinance up for consideration at last night's Springfield City Council meeting. Yeah, this is for capacity purchase, not win purchase. Like the And the ordinance deals with a new contract. Here's uh, Mayor Langfelder. Of all available MISO accredited capacity for five years, an amount not to exceed $12,771,360 for the Office of Public Utilities. So, uh, this ordinance is a, a power contract, and they had an official there uh, from the utility to kind of give a little bit more of an idea. Yeah, this is for capacity purchase, not wind purchase, like the, the wind power contract we had before. There is no out clause in this contract. What it is, it's, it's a five-year guaranteed, six years optional. 
So some of you may remember when back in the day they did have a multi-year wind power contract and there were concerns that this is similar to that and we're going to be stuck in that, uh, which was, uh, some argue, not beneficial at all to the city of Springfield. Uh, But the difference here is this is a capacity contract, so it's not necessarily – we'll just let others explain it, including the Corporation Council last night at the Springfield City Council meeting. Uh, Hanauer is exactly correct. This is a um, judgment call because what you're really doing is buying price certainty because it could drop, but if it goes up two or three or four dollars because we're forced to buy it, we are forced to buy it, then you might have a scenario where instead of 14 million over six years, it might be 20 million. So what you're buying in this whole situation is price certainty certainty so uh a little bit of uh kind of you know easy way to understand what exactly this contract does it's about price certainty here's alderman ralph hanauer reacting but if this if we need the power and they're not they're not spinning they're not generating well, what happens if if they're not generating that is completely independent a different the, different it's completely deal. independent okay. it's two separate entities of Thank you. Energy versus capacity. Right. right. Got you. So, um, Alderman Redpath, he also wants to chime in about uh, the importance of this contract. You know, I've always been against any contract that goes five years. It's a, it's it's always a gamble. Uh, but you know, in this circumstance, our whole our whole way about doing business, the utilities changed since we have one coal plant now. This this uh, this contract here, and I agree is. Um, is um, is a is a good option for us. It's going to keep our price. And certainty is exactly the right word. It gives us the opportunity to make sure that we do. It's no different than how we negotiate our coal contracts. And if you remember, one of the one of the most historical things that we did under this council, and uh, the previous council and this council was lock in that coal price as low as we possibly can. This is what we're doing here. So I would encourage the council to support this. I think it's the right move. So uh, the uh, Ward 1 alderman uh, saying that uh, he supports this move to uh, have this uh, particular contract uh, in place, even though it's a uh, long-term contract. Uh, Some of the other uh, measures that were brought forward dealt with the uh, fire department getting some new equipment uh, and a variety of other things. Uh, But we do have a a, a kind of a a funny moment here um, where the uh, Ward 7 alderman uh, well, before we get to that, uh, Joe McMiniman, he, he revisits the issue of uh, Horace Mann and them getting $600,000 in TIF money to tear down some historic buildings, he says, that could lead to a lawsuit. Uh, we got incorrect information from Horace Mann uh, the first night they came. They said it wasn't within the historic district. We know about that. They said it was not a contributing structure. They were wrong about that. And then the third thing they said to us was um, there's no viable alternative, basically. But basically, uh, actually what we heard after we denied the request for reconsideration, we did hear a viable alternative from them. And if you remember, this whole uh, situation got started when the, que- the legal question was, under the s- laws of the state of Illinois, are we allowed to spend TIF money to demolish a historic structure? And, uh, and, and the, the answer is no. Un- um, un- if there's a viable alternative. And that night we, we did hear a viable alternative, in my opinion. And so uh, 
I don't know if we're going to have a lawsuit on our hands or not. Well, we'll watch that closely to see if indeed there is a potential lawsuit uh, that the city of Springfield will have to go into executive session to discuss, and then we'll have to wait a couple of years to get that executive session audio out, uh, so we'll see what happens there. Uh, And then finally, Alderman McMiniman with a a bit of a funny moment here. I'm not going to take offense that Chuck Redpath likes to walk out when I begin talking. It's not not against the Irish, right? Hey, I got a 66-year-old prostate, buddy. I got to go all the time. <laughs> That's what I mean. Who am I? All right. Yeah. All we right. know what's going on. All right. So uh, finish up the meeting with uh, a citizen addressing the council and specifically ask about parking in downtown Springfield. Mayor Jim Langfelder uh, saying, hey, you still don't have to plug those meters. Yeah, there's still uh, free parking. You have to uh, just abide by the time frame. So it's yeah. 30-minute meters. I think those are yellow, um, and then the blue ones are for, uh, I believe, an hour. So when are we going to see people plugging those meters again? Is that going to be announced widely? Yeah, th- we haven't made that determination yet. We're working with Downtown Springfield, Inc., and really uh, I think what's going to drive it is when the state goes back to work. Uh, it's all about moving traffic, and right now there's not the need that there once was. I think uh, the state's pretty much back at work. I mean, you had a huge rally last yesterday, and lawmakers are back in session, and uh, people are back in offices mostly. If you're not back in the office, email me. I'd love to hear about it. Bishoponair at gmail.com. That's your council roundup brought to you by Head West Subs. When you want a great sub, you've got to head west. Their downtown location open for lunch. Don't forget about delivery.